Hey everybody, welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Movie love for movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley and I'm super, super excited for this week's show because I have a very special guest here to talk about Final Destination. I am joined by the director of All That We Destroy and Satanic Panic. Please welcome back to the show, Chelsea Stardust. Hi, Chelsea. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming back and making the time during what is a very busy time in your life. <laughs> yes, I always make time for Final Destination. <laughs> well, good. Um, this is, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm pretty sure I'm not, uh, your favorite horror franchise, yes? It is. And I think it's like a very, anytime someone asks me that, because I get asked that question a lot in um, Q and A's and things, people always want to know like, what's your favorite franchise? And I think there's always the ones people go to the three big ones, Halloween, um, Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and, uh, and Scream probably are like the biggest ones. But for me, it has always been Final Destination, which I think is an unpopular opinion um, or a rogue opinion. Um, I also love the Scream and the Halloween franchise, but, um, and Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th, but in terms of like the ones I rewatch the most um, is Final Destination just has a very special place in my heart and is like what I grew up with. So that's like the franchise sort of of that and, and Scream, I guess, and maybe Saw are like the ones of like my my generation specifically. Are you excited for Spiral? Oh my gosh, I'm seeing it on Saturday. Can't yeah, wait. <laughs> I'm going tomorrow. I'm I'm pretty excited myself. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I can't wait to see what. I, I love that that Darren is back in the director's chair, and I can't. I love that the casting is just so incredible, and I'm just so excited to see. Um, see what he does with it so i don't know anything like i saw one trailer really early on and made a point to like okay i'm not going to watch anything else yeah. i just want to you know um just bask in uh, in its return <laughs> i have watched uh all of the saw movies and four of the five final destinations all in a week and i don't recommend <laughs> doing that it's a oh lot God. of grim terrible death <laughs> in, the, in a shit. span of a short time so my worldview is kind of fucked right now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't oh recommend God. doing it. I'm overwhelmed just hearing that. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Um, so what, what the idea is we're going to be talking about like the first Final Destination primarily, but obviously we're going to get into the sequels and the franchise overall as well. So what is it, would you say, about the franchise that makes it your favorite? Um, I just find it to be, well, first and foremost, I find it to be so incredibly entertaining. And I also just think the concept is genius. Like, I think Jeffrey Reddick is um, sort of an unsung hero. <laughs> I think, um, you know, coming up with this concept is so smart. And, um, you know, I just, and of course, like the first one came out in 2000. So let's see, I would have been in like... Not ninth, tenth grade, I think. So I was in high high school, and um, I just fell in love with it. Hmm. And um, I'm a big X Files fan too. So obviously, like you know, Glenn Morgan's part of the the X Files world, the writers for the X Files world. But I just um, I fell in love with it. And then since then, you know, all the sequels, I made a point to see them all in theater. And it's sort of, sort of like I love that it was always trying to one up itself. And these some of the you know, construction of 
the kills, the deaths in sort of this Rube Goldberg um, layout. Some of them, some of them aren't, but um, yeah, it's always just, it's kind of, they're kind of, they're comfort films to me too, probably because it's when I was in high school and I was one of, you know, they were movies that inspired me to make movies and to make horror movies specifically. Um, so they just, there were so many things about them that I responded to. And also it's like, well, how do you, how do you fight something that you can't see that you can't like it's not the villain the villain is death which as they say comes for us all so what do you do how do you how do you cheat that and you can only cheat it for so long so i think there are so many things in it that i found so interesting and and really like resonated with with my dark teenage brains Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I've, I've always been, um, been a fan of, of the franchise and I just don't think they get talked about enough. So, um, when we were deciding sort of what to pick, I'm so glad that, that you were like, yes, I know you like Final Destination. Let's do that. Yeah. Is this, so as a filmmaker, is this like a franchise that you dream of someday rebooting? I would love to. I know, um, Craig Perry, one of the producers is a, is a friend of mine, um, of this franchise and, uh. Uh, all I'm, I, when I, when I heard it was being rebooted, I was like, how do I get a meeting? Like, <laughs> how, how do I get in there? Like, let me, let me in. So, um, uh, but of course I, I don't even think they, they, uh, the, what is it? New line? Like, uh, even thought twice about it. They're like, and eh, no, we got all these, we got all these other men that we'd rather have directed. Um, we're so- more comfortable <laughs> with a man. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yes, of course, I would love to to take it on and see, you know, what what could you know take it to the next level and see, like, okay, what can be done? What can we do um, in this world now? In like, you know, twenty 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 one twenty twenty two. So I know it's being rebooted. I think they already have like directors um, or director. But I don't know who. I'm not sure who it. I can't remember if that was announced or not because it was so so long ago. It was like pre pandemic when right. they were talking about remaking these. So I can't quite remember if there was a director that had been picked you know i feel like they end up going with people who have a lot of like special effects experience like even like final destination 5 Stephen quail he was he had come from the special effects world too so i feel like they kind of gravitate towards those folks which is fine um but uh because like Quayle was on like second unit director on Titanic and come came from the James Cameron world. So it totally makes sense um, why he was picked, but I'm curious, like that's usually the route they go, which I get it. They want to play it safe. Taking risks are scary. Um, So, (laughs) but anyways, um, yeah, it's, it is of course something I like think about doing in terms of like franchises. That's one I'd love to be a part of. Does it feel like, as the series went on, like it became a series of set pieces where they like would sit down and say, okay, what's like a, what are people nervous about doing? Like the tanning bed or the LASIK surgery, just like (laughs) sitting down and stringing together a series of scenarios. Totally. I think this is something I really thought about, you know, when I watch these movies, I'll usually watch, like I tend to watch them around Halloween time and there's, you know, I, this, doing this podcast made me do my ranking, like what my, what, Ooh, what order I put them in. This is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so because I watched them, I kind of, I did two a night, like five nights, like three nights in a row. So I was, you know, watching them kind of, kind of back to back one day after another. And it's the first time I've watched them all together like that. Cause usually I'm like, Oh, I want to watch three or I want to watch one or, you know, whatever. So as of now today, um, 
my ranking would be one, three, five, two, and four. One, three, and five. One, I think, is always number one for me because it's, you know, what kicked it off, what started it. Um, I think three and five kind of switch spots depending on my mood. Um, but two and four are pretty set kind of towards the end of the <laughs> end of the line. And so you bring up, you bring up something interesting. As I was watching it, I was really thinking about um, characters and story versus set pieces. And I think like one is obviously like setting up the world, like really focusing on the world, the rules, like these, this is the first time these people are experiencing this. So it's, it's got a lot of um, weight to it. It's got a lot to lift um, to explain this to the audience. And then for me, like three, I find to be, well, I should, uh, let me, I'll say them in order. So two, is something where I do think they're always thinking about the big set piece. That's what, like, you go to the movie thinking, okay, we know the opening. We know the opening sequence is the big set piece. What is that going to be? And, of course, this franchise, like, there's a reason people are scared, you know, adding to fear of flying. Fear, I have a fear of, not a fear, but I can't ride roller coasters anymore. So, you know, also traffic accidents and log trucks, people's, you know, you see people no. on Instagram posting about them and commenting. <laughs> it's either, it's either David Lynch or final destination they're talking about. And, um, and race, you know, a racetrack. I was like, Oh my God, that's such like a genius concept. Um, and then suspension bridges, you know? So, but I think they are thinking about, okay, what's the big set piece. And then also, yeah, how can we construct these deaths around these different settings? Um, but two is, you know, I, I'm trying to think of like, they're and they're always trying to like, okay, what can we do more? They're always trying to figure out with the story, like, okay, how can we veer a different direction or add an element to it or whatnot? Um, two to me was a little less successful because they were trying to take on, two and four suffer from, they're trying to do too much. Like, and also four is dealing with, so that's the final destination is dealing with 3d and really, really bad. There's some bad visual Ooh, effects boy. and really rough stuff. And so you can, you can feel there's a struggle there. The characters are very memorable. Um, and especially in terms of some of the casting, whereas like three and five, so three, you're, you're, you have a lot of, there's a lot of notable actors in three too, as well. And so, um, you know, I, I love Mary, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, and so I'm Im immediately engaged because even with like starting off with the cast and then five is what takes it and has the big, you know, the big reveal at the end, which of course everyone, even when I was posting about it on social media, so many people mentioned five. They're like, nobody talks about five enough um, because it was, you know, it's the most recent one, um, which is still what is that 2011 so still you know 10 years ago at this point um and they they managed to you know spoiler alert for also anyone listening to this who hasn't seen these movies you should definitely go back and watch them because i'm going to spoil a ton of shit <laughs> but it, it it's revealed that it's a prequel which is prequel to the to the, to the whole franchise so that to me i'm like okay that's a way to elevate it to a whole new level and um which i think you know two and and the final destination kind of struggled with um trying to up the ante and it just didn't it was a little less successful but um five just really brought it home and i think got got people excited and then that was sort of you know that was 10 you know now i'm not even sure what they're gonna do but um so but going back to one i you know watching it this time around i was like 
this is it's pre 9-11, which I which I wasn't even I was like, oh, my God, this would be have done been done so differently. Um, I think I don't even know if this movie would have been made, um, you know, after that. Definitely not. Yeah, I thought about it. This is the first time I fucking thought about it because I was really like really in it when I was like really (laughs) analyzing stuff this time. But I was like, fuck, I don't think this would have. This wouldn't have gotten made. I don't think the way everything was approached and, you know, when they're being interrogated, they're like, you know, they talk to them for, you know, all of like three minutes and they're like, okay, you can go. I was like, oh, fuck, that never happened (laughs) nowadays. Anyway, sorry, long winded. um, uh, I'm very excited to talk about it because no one ever asks me about Final Destination. So it's my chance to just, you know, get uh, sing its praises (laughs) to everybody. I'm I'm into it. Um, okay, two things. One, when you saw five theatrically, did you figure out the ending before it happened? Um, I don't think I. Uh, I don't know if I necessarily figured it out. I think I thought, oh, that's funny that they're going to Paris. That's in, the, and I'm sure I had watched the movies before right. going to see the new one. Um, and I don't think I could. I was like, oh, that's an interesting coincidence. And it wasn't until they use the footage of them getting off the plane. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I started just freaking out <laughs> because I was like, this is so such a smart way to do this. And also now watching it, knowing the reveal, I was like, Oh my God, they don't tell you. Like, I don't think at least if they did, I didn't catch it. Like what, what year it is. They're like, they're, there's, there's um, also in terms of like cell phone use, like a lot of that stuff just, wasn't being used which i'm now of course i should have i should have seen it coming um but i was i didn't see it so i ultimately i did i was like oh these are interesting coincidences and it wasn't until i connected the paris to them being like on the plane right. that i was like oh my god this is such this is such a great idea yeah it was i it blew my mind i remember there's a scene very early on where a character pulls up and is very prominently listening to like an Everclear song. And I remember being like, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yeah. let's continue this movie. And then when you think back on it, you're like, oh, that's why. Because they're setting the time period without telling you that's what they're doing. Totally. I noticed that too. I even think I wrote down like Everclear in my notes. Like, <laughs> she's, she Literally when she, she pulls up um, in, in her car. Um, what was her name? Um, we'll look at there. But um, yeah pulls up in her car and is, is literally listening to, to um, Molly. I think it's Molly who like pulls up and you can hear, I was like ever clear again, like you said, dating it, but not saying what date it is. Cause they don't, t- they don't talk about it. Like you don't know right. what year it is. Right. Um, it's just so cl- like just planting those little seeds. So when you go back and watch, you're like, Oh yeah, they're hinting to it all over the place. Yeah. Um, but it's just catching that. Yeah, totally. All right. Here's my super hot take scorching hot. Two is my favorite. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy, right? I don't know why. I think I like some of the set pieces that they went with. I like the use of practical Mm -hmm. gore, which is something that they get away from a lot as the franchise continues. Um, And it's like David Ellis was like a really good director before he became like a swimsuit director where he just made movies about people in bathing suits, which is kind of what four is. (laughs) And then he makes Shark Knight and like he just becomes interested in swimsuit movies. But I like his direction because he was a stunt coordinator, I believe. Um, and you yeah. can kind of tell watching the way that, you know, the the set pieces are staged together. Uh, and I also like that it adds a sense of humor 
to it, um, like a really dark sense of humor, obviously, but in particular, the fate of the two children in the movie, one who gets a glass pane dropped on him <gasps> yes. and one who blows up at a barbecue at the end of the movie. <laughs> the, the choice to go out on that, I thought was really funny. And so I kind of liked the, the incorporation of the black humor in the movie. I, I mean, I have to agree. Like, I really love, um, I really love to, I definitely think the weakest of the franchise is the final destination. Like that's Oof. the one, like when I go back and watch these, I skip that one. I like almost always skip that too, though. I will say like something that I, I love that Allie Larder is back, like that clear is, is back in it. And is sort of like challenged, like you ran away from this, everyone around, like, are you going to stay in this cell your whole life? Like, why don't you come help us? And that she's, so they're bringing back a character. I do. I'm not a huge fan of the fact that they're like, "Oh, Alex is dead," but we're not gonna like. It's it's like on a news on a on the right. internet. They like see that he a brick falls on him, and they're like, <laughs> Lame. "We couldn't get Devin Sawa back, <laughs> but he died." FYI, and it's like, what? Um, but I gotta say, like bringing up David David Ellis, I, um, I, uh, I I'm. Homeward Bound 2 I watched when I was a little kid so like <laughs> <laughs> like that's what he was like his first movie um but I I mean he did Snakes on a Plane and Shark Night which I actually like really enjoy but I remember like when I heard about because when because he he died in 2013 and I remember being like wait what like I, I can't like I was I couldn't even really wrap my brain around it because I think only a couple of years later, he, he had done, or a couple of years earlier, he had done the final destination. So I remember being so taken aback and I want to say like, man, okay, let me think about where I was at the time. Yeah. I want to say that he was talking, like when I was at Blumhouse, like he was talking to them about a project, like right before. And I remember it being like, the office was like fucking shook because we're like, we were yeah. in the middle of talking to him about a project, like yeah. doing something together. Um, and I was so crushed and I was like oh no like um was so upset about that but I I did make some notes about too that like that log truck that that sequence you know highway to hell playing and that whole car that the big accident and the opening is so incredible yeah. like even watching it you know this many years later I was I literally wrote like incredible stunts explosions and in two it ha it's it's happening in the first like the whole thing happens in the first two in the first 10 minutes the whole that opening sequence um where it's a little bit some some of them it takes a lot little longer to get there some of them it takes shorter to get there like i think in the first movie it's 20 minutes like it takes 20 minutes before the first event is f is finished and then i think in the final destination it's like 8 minutes or something <laughs> like really quick they're like we got to get moving um but I just thought the, and I totally agree with like the commitment, of course, anytime you're doing practical, you can see the movies suffer, like especially the final destination with those Oof. really rough. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and even watching them now, I was like, literally, if you cut all those, when he's having those like visions, those like dreams, yeah. you cut all that. You cut, I know they're servicing 3d, but just, you can cut it and it's still, the movie still works. So, but again, it's like, I think people working out of fear and like, <laughs> um, but anyways, anyways, I love that two is your favorite. That's great. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, the, the log truck opening is my favorite of all of the openings, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Because I even feel like by the time they get to four, like racetrack, I don't know, like someone just kind of threw up their hand. I don't know, uh, racetrack, maybe. Uh, I mean, I understand, <laughs> like, yeah. there's a definite fear. I'm not somebody who, like, goes to see car racing, but I guess if I was, there would be a definite fear of, like, oh, God, what if something flew off and, you know, killed somebody? So it totally makes sense for them to set an opening yeah. there. It just is the one that everything about four is the one that works the least for me. Yeah. It's. It's okay. the only one I kind of actively maybe dislike, but the other ones I enjoy. Yeah, I think that's that's the one to me that's sort of like the, there's always one. There's always a weak <laughs> one in the franchise. Like, no matter what it is, there's always the one that's like, I mean, it's different for everybody. But um, definitely, I universally, I think 4 is is the one that is sort of the, the weakest. And who, who knows? Like, I actually wanted to try to talk to Craig before we got on the phone, but... I couldn't get my shit together because I had a slew of questions I wanted to ask him um, that even though we've talked all the time, I was like, okay, specifically, and I try not to hound my friends too much about the stuff they make, but sometimes <laughs> I just want to be like, listen, uh, poor Jeffrey Reddick is such a good, is such a good sport. Cause every time I see him, I'm like, listen, final destination. And he's like, oh my God, Charles, like, <laughs> <laughs> I get it. You love it. Thank you. I appreciate it so much. No, he's the best. But, um, but I, there were things like that I was like thinking about where it's like, whoa, were there some production issues? Like, <laughs> yeah, were there things because if you can feel it. And I also think it's the shortest one. It's like I'm 80 not, minutes with credits. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, that's fine. Love an 80 minute runtime. Oh, but, absolutely. Um, now, if something's 80 <laughs> minutes, I'm encouraged to watch it. Like, totally. Uh, totally. I was like, okay, 80 minutes. Oh, easy. Like, I can <laughs> right. watch that and something else. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so back to the first one, which yeah. is hilarious that this franchise took on such a life of its own, because honestly, I never even thought about the title, Final Destination, you know, for each of these sequels, which have nothing to do with air travel. Like, it makes sense for the first movie to be called Final Destination, because it's about an airplane that blows up. For the rest of these movies to be called Final Destination, it actually makes no goddamn sense. But that's fine. Let's just, you oh, know. To to me, I think it's because we all, as human beings, have a universal final destination, which sure. is death. So it's like, I always thought, I was like, oh, yeah, well, we're all headed to the same place. So it's just, uh, it's up to uh, um, up to nature to decide what the what the order is. So that's what, sort of, you know, what, what I interpreted it. But I will say that this is the first time when I watched the first movie that you, that there's actually reference to the title as in on the late on right. the luggage ticket it right. says final destination which for some fucking reason i never caught before <laughs> but i was like um i was i wrote like title drop like <laughs> in my notes i noticed it um but i also love that like this movie literally starts off with superstitions like literally in the first couple minutes alex he's with his parents and the luggage, you know, they were, they go to rip off the luggage tag. He's like, no, you got to keep it on. It's for good luck. So already we're getting into, you know, is it is it luck? Is it a coincidence? Is it that like oh, you're already they're setting it up, setting that up? And I'm all about to set up some payoffs. So, and they establish that he's like the superstitious one. And <clears throat> and uh, and so I love that it's like, it's just so it's so it's just so fucking smart. Like just I love that it's setting up to show like okay, this is the kind of person this is. Is it the, you know, if you rank this one number number one, is it, I mean, some of it has to do obviously with the, just the originality of Jeffrey Reddick's 
premise and sort of the novelty of it all that this one came first and nobody had really done anything like this before. Um, and it's it's the one that's kind of played the straightest, um, mm-hmm. which five comes close, but then there's even jokey stuff in five, like the eyeball getting run over and stuff like that. But this one plays it right. more or less straight and takes this material very seriously, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, I I love the the tone of this one, and also like there's there's also I gotta say like a lot of nostalgia factor for me because again like coming from being an X Files lover and seeing that it was like James Wong and Glenn Morgan, and so it's already like setting me up to like I was already going into it knowing that I was gonna really like I knew going in I was like I'm gonna fucking love this movie, <laughs> and then and um. And yeah, it totally does. Whereas like, you know, it is the more serious where the other ones are sort of like kind of giving you a wink, like nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Like we, we, we are servicing maybe in some places more so than it, more so than it should, but servicing the audience and what they're craving, maybe like in terms of the, the gore and special effects more so than story and character, <laughs> which right. this one right. I think balances it so well and also i i think i i think i would argue that five does is does too um but this one it's like it also is laying down the the rules so it's like it has just like i was saying like so much work to do it's just like okay how do we get all this information to the audience and how this work and what the mechanics are and that you can that i can skip you and like all that like this one has it's like setting it up for you so then the the rest of them yeah they kind of they explain it in like a line, but they assume the audience mostly knows by this point. Cause it's also, and it was, is a pulp, such a pop culture reference as well. Right. Well, and so often in the sequels, they refer back to flight 180 or, mm-hmm. um, except for five, which again, as I was watching five just today, I was like, Oh, this is the, they can't do that in this movie. They were figuring it yeah. out and laying it all out. And I was like, well, that's interesting that they have to basically treat this as though this is the first time this has ever happened because it's happening before the explosion of Flight 180, which we should point out because you emailed me something very observant. <laughs> uh, Flight yes. 180 crashed on what day? Today, May 13th, but in... 2000 right and now we're in 2021 so literally on the ticket because they show it up close at the end of five yeah it said it says five you know may 13th 2000 and when i saw that i was like wait a minute and so at the very <laughs> end of the movie like very very end of five i've gone through all the movies i've marathoned them and i emailed you like immediately and i was like oh my gosh you will not believe this coincidence and i did not know that when we scheduled this right podcast i was literally like hey let's do thursday may 13th like does that work and it wasn't until i watched the movie where i was like oh my god we are doing this literally on the 21st anniversary anniversary. of the crash oh my gosh (laughs) see coincidences (laughs) this is what i'm talking about (laughs) these movies are on to something there's something rewarding for me watching going through the franchise um as somebody who is not adventurous and doesn't do things uh, like I watch a girl <laughs> do gymnastics and I'm like, I don't have to worry about that. I'm not doing gymnastics and uh, yeah. I'm not going to get acupuncture. So I'll be fine. No LASIK for me. <laughs> All right. I'll be fine. Uh, I can't think of, I mean, I'm sure there's some that are just like people standing around on a street, you know, every once in a while, something, a bus comes by and creams somebody mm-hmm. or something flies through the air and kills him. But like 
the real set PC ones, uh, I just watch and I'm like, well, I don't have to worry about that because I would never do that thing. But I think some of them are universal in this, like the bigger ones, because like almost, not everybody, but almost everyone has to fly at some point. Right. Um, yeah. We all are driving on a freeway um, at some point or another. We all have to go over a, a bridge of some sort. Um, the only one is like the the racetrack and the roller coaster are the kind of more wild card ones, which are like I I've been to like seen I seen drifting before, but I haven't been to like a formal like you know NASCAR event yeah, yeah. and. And then roller coasters, I used to be able to to ride, and um, I can't anymore. I can't. Um, this shows how fucking type A I am, but I can't relax enough. So when I come off a roller coaster, my body is out of whack. Like my, I throw my back out. I can't walk for two days because I just can't fucking relax. Um, and so I like can't ride them anymore. Um, though my partner Sean like loves roller coasters and watch, wants to ride them all the time. But that's and of course after seeing this movie, I'm like, yep, there's a reason I don't. I might that's my body telling me don't fucking do it. Um, but you also bring up a good point of like not all the not all the the set pieces are the Rube Goldberg style. There's a lot of them that are like, yeah, step on the street, get hit by a bus. There's right. a lot of stuff right. that is again talking about the, the there's there's it's it's a it's designed, but also the deaths aren't always this coordinated thing. Um they t they're coordinated, but they, they look random. Like, oh, shoot, stepped on the street, got hit by a bus. But, right. you know, death has a plan. Um... <laughs> that bus scare in the original movie is still, like, one of my favorite jump scares of all time. It is so good. 100% agree. I've seen this movie so many times. I still jump. Every time I still jump um, when, when she gets hit by the bus. Yeah. I just, <laughs> you know it's coming. Right. But I, but it, but I, I can't help it. I just, I, every time. Um, did you happen to watch the, I'm jumping around all over the place. I apologize. Did you happen to watch <laughs> no. the, the, the alternate, uh, ending for part one? Um, I, I didn't watch it this time, but I, oh yes, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Uh, um, wait, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, uh, when is it, is it remind me what, cause I watched alternate endings for a couple of them. So, <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Alex dies. Uh, um, he kind of sacrifices himself so that Clear can live. He doesn't get thrown by the electricity. He dies. He's electrocuted. Yes. He gets set on fire and he dies. And then she gives birth to their baby. And you're like, wait, <laughs> when did this yes. happen? There's a, there's a whole relationship between the two of those characters <laughs> that takes place entirely off screen in the first movie. Maybe all that stuff got cut. Right. So this is something that I actually made um, a note about in my um, in in my, when I was writing about taking notes down for the first movie is that something I love is um, are sort of the, the the protagonists that are kind of in it together from the beginning. So like when when Alex and Clear, so Devin Sawa and Ellie Larder are um, are in this, she she's she believes them and you know she's just like okay I'm I'm with you on this. And you sort of see their, them maybe having this sort of relationship, but it's also, it's mostly played as friendship. And it isn't until the very end when they're in Paris that they're like holding hands. Right. I don't even, I don't even know if we actually see them kiss. No, so we don't. We don't. Right. And so, and also that's something I actually kind of like in movies when that happens, because so many times it's like, oh, oh we're going to pair these people together. They are of course going to fall in love with each other. And like, so, so when it's restrained, I really appreciate that. Um, 
And then it's in two, I think, where it's, you know, she talks about like, you know, my my boyfriend and they have had this sort of relationship during the time between one and two. And I just thought that was so interesting because you don't you don't ever see that. You don't see that happen. And of course, they don't show his death in two. Um, so it's like, OK, I guess I got to just go with this. <laughs> <laughs> and you get it. They, they survived this tragedy together. They, you know, and the, these movies talk a lot about um, survivor's guilt and survivor's remorse right, and things like right. that. So it, it, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I remember um, seeing that alternate ending and be like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. Okay, now I see. Now it was, it was wise to not have that be the ending. <laughs> right. Well, and even the, the ending that's in the movie works so much better, but it still has like reshoot all over it. Even Allie Larder's hair is completely yeah. different. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, we're like, wait a second, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> Who, whose studio note was this? <laughs> Gotta end on something big. Uh, and somehow Kerr Smith makes it to the end, despite being the least likable character in, not in the entire franchise, because there's a guy in four who's way yeah. worse. Oh. And there's, there's, a couple, there's one in five that's pretty obnoxious, Oh, the guy too, with the glasses is racist Isaac. and awful. Isaac yeah. is a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, he's terrible. That fucking guy. And I, and, oh, another thing I wrote down for, um, my notes are sort of in, like, chronological order of the movie, but I wrote, um, John Denver. So I noticed that, like, this time watching, of course, I was looking for all the connective tissue, um, but the commitment to music, like, like the, every movie, there's a, whether it's Dust in the Wind, whether it's John Denver, Highway to Hell, um, obviously Three has, like, uh, Love Roller Coaster, there's, like, all these, like, recognizable Right. songs right. in them too but the, there's this commitment that i appreciate to um the music or recognizing like oh this this artist died in a in a plane crash or this or that like so um i'm i love a love those little bits of of connective tissue um and also final destination made me think about um when they get on the plane i always it's funny the uh there's babies on there's a baby on the plane so if they, I think they say it'd be a really cruel God to take this plane yeah, down. And oh so anytime gosh. I'm on a plane, I'm like, are there kids? Are there babies? Okay, maybe, okay, we'll be okay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but clearly that didn't matter in Final Destination. Yeah, yikes. Not cool, <laughs> right? Final Destination. <laughs> and I can relate to like Alex's um, anxiety when the plane's taking off because I, I have a little bit of anxiety when I fly. So that's something where I was like, oh yeah, I can... I can relate to that. Um, you know, just until it's like takeoff and landing is always like the, the, the that's, rough spot. That's how it is for me too, which makes no sense. Like, is it just, mm -hmm. is it final destination that made us this way? Because like, right. Once the plane is in the air, nothing bad can happen. <laughs> like, right. I don't know what yeah. the logic is, but I'm the exact same way. Uh, my wife and I will just like squeeze each other's hands, the entire takeoff. And then once we're up, we're like, okay, we're fine. But why? Right. Right, exactly. It's same same thing. It's like once I'm in, okay, all right, well, I'm good now. We got through that. Okay, smooth sailing. Like, right. Um, <laughs> um, you're a filmmaker. Can you make a promise to me and everyone listening that you will not make a movie in which every character has the last name of a horror director? Oh my gosh. Okay, it's so <laughs> funny you say that because. Um, so, so this is something I like made. Um, I made a note about because I was writing down all the characters' names, and for people listening who who um, have somehow missed the first final dish destination, 
a lot of the characters have last names or full names yeah. that are associated with um, famous like directors, producers. I mean, we have we have Browning, we have someone named Valerie Luton, so Val Luton. We have Hitchcock, we have Cheney, we have Wagner. We have like tons of and and it actually carries through in a couple. I don't know if it's all the movies, but it's. I know it's in. F- oh yeah. Five. So two we have because um, I wrote their whole names down. Oh two, my we gosh, have you're so Corman, prepared. Uh, a corpsman, a carpenter, and there may be a couple more because I'm just like flipping through. Um, that's in two. I think three. We don't really have. Oh no, wait. I wrote there. Oh, we have a, a Freund. Um, we have a Romero. Oh jeez. Um, yeah, and then in the Final Destination. Uh, nobody has last names. So, <laughs> nobody even um, has names in the Final Destination. They're just like mechanic, racist, milf. Yeah. Well, that's according to IMDb. They do have names in the in the movie, but they're not. This is okay. Okay. So to talk about the Final Destination for a millisecond, when I so I go on I go on IMDb and I like will write down the just so I know the a refresher on the actor's name and their character name for when I so I can refer refer back because because some of like the final destination is the one I'm probably like least familiar with the character names um but for example there's someone credited as MILF when her name is like actually Samantha there's someone credited as mechanic when his name's actually Andy um you know they do have names but it takes like like it had to be on a news flash. Like I had to look and be like, oh, oh, that's that person's name. Oh, now I got to go back and write their name because, but I was like, no one should ever have a character like listed as a MILF. I was right. like, give me a break. Right. So they don't, so they didn't have last names. So we don't have to worry about like that carryover. But five does go back to that. And I'm sure it's just paying homage. Um, Fried has, five has a Friedkin, uh, um, Hooper and a castle. Yeah. So, so that's going back to that format. Yeah, this is. I was actually asked this in an in an interview about um, the na- using horror names, and I was trying to remember. And I'm sure someone listening will know the first instance that was used. For and what me, that... my memory is Night of the Creeps. Oh, Night of the Creeps. Yes, I think you're correct. That's. I think that's totally right. Because um, what? Because sometimes you'd see it like the name of a school. Or, you know, some, and I get it, like, you know, paying homage to that is cool. But it, but now I don't, like, I see it as like, oh, yeah, I get that. That's cool. But now I think it's been done so much. Like, yeah. I've heard, like, execs, but some execs don't even, they don't even know. <laughs> like, they don't even realize <laughs> um, that. But I think now it's, like, kind of a, like, I get it because I'm a fan. I know you're trying to, like, wink, wink, nod, nod to the fans. But, like we've seen it like you've done it we've seen it what i what i would want my version of that would be um so what i pitch to that is instead of using these the the names um like these are using directors and stuff but i would rather use the name of a final girl but use their actual name like like you know um jamie instead of uh, uh, Lori Strode, like use Jamie instead of Lori, Sally or Marilyn instead of Sally Hardesty, like use their right. their sissy instead of Carrie. You know, use if you're going to do an homage like that, I would I would I'd use, and so people wouldn't know, like they wouldn't necessarily know. I'd also want to throw in Deborah for Deborah Hill or Catherine for Catherine Bigelow. Like mm-hmm. I I'd, I'd want to do it kind of that way. 
So it's like, I know as the director, maybe some people will pick up on it, but it's, it would be more, I would do it more for, for myself. But um, yeah, I do agree that it is overdone. And it's something that drives my partner, Sean, crazy. He like cannot, <laughs> now when he sees it, he's like, oh no, not this again. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I get it, like, especially in 2000, though, I feel like. It wasn't super overdone it, when they it did wasn't it in really, 2000. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't I don't really think. And also, this is for, this is a different generation. A different generation is seeing these movies, right. I think. And I know, talking about this franchise, like, it is rarely, like, I don't even know another person who this is their favorite franchise besides myself, which I hope that. If you're listening, reach out to me on Instagram and tell me you love this franchise. <laughs> but, you know, you just hear about, you know, Freddie, Jason, Michael, like that, right, that's, that's right. who you hear. And it's because it's all about that iconic character and or, you know, Texas Chainsaw, et cetera, et cetera. But to me like this, it just because because there isn't something to put on a T-shirt. There there's no iconography. Right. So there's no iconography, which I think is honestly, I think it's pretty interesting. Um to me, I think that's uh, really because because again, in not in all those movies, but you know, we have our final we have our final girls that we think about, but so often it's always about the killer and never about the victim, and and where this it's like you're with these characters, you know, death's coming for them, but you're not distracted necessarily by that that killer or like what they're doing or what they're thinking because you can't see them, <laughs> like it's like oh we're gonna focus on the mechanics of how this person is going to die. Like the, the, so that's where the theatricality comes from. Cause all of these movies, all of these killers have theatricality to them. So um, I think that's really uh, personally, really fascinating, but, um, but yeah. And also like, I get it. They're not for everyone. A lot of people like to shit on horror in the two thousands, but people have to remember that that's like a whole generation grew up on those movies. And that's inspired that, to make movies right. so it's like just because you don't like it doesn't mean you got to shit all over it you know yeah. what i mean like, <laughs> yeah some people love like there's i've seen a lot of real bad 80s horror movies that people fucking love and i was like i just don't see it <laughs> <laughs> but i'm not gonna like criticize someone for that i'm right. just gonna say that quietly to myself and then when they're gushing about it nod my head and be like mm-hmm, sure yeah right. totally um <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, wouldn't the internet be a better place if everybody was able to do that oh, to yeah. just, you know, quietly acknowledge? It's impossible. Well, it's not, I know. Like we have to. <laughs> Does it ever bother you in terms of the franchise? Like again, this was my first time ever watching all of them so close together. That, with the exception of like five having that twist ending, none of them really attempt to deviate from the formula established by the first movie and we could say this of a lot of horror franchises so final destination is not the only franchise that's guilty of this but it's like we have the opening sequence we avoid death then we follow the characters who avoided death and they die in sequential order we have a big climax our characters typically survive the cut to you know six months later two weeks later whatever we think we've beaten it and then, oh shit, no, we haven't credits. And nobody ever really tried to do something as of yet. Nobody's really tried to do something different with that sort of codified formula. Yeah. And I think that's something that I'm wondering if that is going to be 
addressed in the new movie. I wonder if that's something that's going to be handled a little bit differently. Um, And it's also something that like, for me as a, as a horror fan, I think I didn't, to me, it doesn't stand out too much because it, it's also following this. It's following a slasher formula. Right. Like that's, okay. that's, that's what it's doing. It's setting us. It's like, that's what it is, but it just doesn't the big bad we can't see. So it's like, to me, I was like, oh, this is just following the same. It's fo- following the same formula. I think it just it's it's the body count of like, like, I think there there's a when we when we get to it there's a couple where i'm like wait a minute this person got off how did they how did they survive what happened to them like and i think it, it's from the final destination i made a note about characters but um and like how many are surviving at the end like who's left how many and i think when we get into too many characters then it's a little we kind of like lose lose track like i think they're trying to they were trying to figure out okay how many how many characters can we have to make this work? Okay, how can we throw a wrench into it? But the problem is it doesn't always pay off. Like, I can feel them trying to try stuff out, mm-hmm. but struggling. So that's why I think five was so successful is because they finally figured out, they're like, okay, we need to do something here yeah. that turns it all on its head. And so technically when watching, you'd watch five, one, you know, one, right. two, three, four. No, but um, then you got to end so on I'm, four. I'm curious to... <laughs> I know that's <laughs> which I four think they were supposed three. to do right I mean I think four was meant yeah. to be the last one and then I think because it kind of got whiffed they went back and made a fifth one and sort of you know fixed things or, or righted the ship yeah because four came out in let's see the final destination came out in 2009 and then and then five came out in 2011 so maybe it was something let's see yeah, I mean that's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, um, that's like three years. So, so the amount of time to get to get the script, and I actually think five is so is very well thought out. And I and again, you're bringing, and maybe that's because they're bringing totally new blood to it with um, Stephen Quayle and Eric Hessier as the as the director writer team whereas all the other ones are james wan and glenn morgan or david ellis so it's like you know it's they each did two and now i think they were like okay how do we maybe we brings a whole new group in to to oversee that maybe the why that's maybe why that's that's why it worked so um and you know, I, I like, I kind of, I like that they did that. I mean, I think that was a really, that, I think that's what they had to do. Um, especially after the final destination didn't work out. They're like, okay, we got to do something different. Like (laughs) we got to figure this out. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, but that's, I just see it as sort of following, following that slasher formula. It's like, how do we, you know, we have what's, what's the two, what's the 2000 slasher. So it's like, we have the, um, you know, going through having like Leatherface and Jason and Michael and Freddie, and then in the '90s getting getting Ghostface, and so it's like 2000s, like death sort of becomes that character. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know, it's like how do you invent that iconic? It's hard. It's like so many people are constantly chasing what's the next thing we can put on a T-shirt, you know? <laughs> right? Um, um it occurred it just occurred to me the the sort of the sameness of it as i finished up five because five ends in pretty spectacular fashion and then there's like 
I guess because again, maybe they were intending it to be the last one. There's this like highlight reel. Oh yes. That goes through. Yeah. And it's fun. And especially I remember seeing it theatrically cause it was all in 3d. Um, and so it was fun to see some of the stuff from the previous movies in 3d, but it's like, it's like watching a faces of death. <laughs> I was, I was sitting there like, what am I doing? This is just wall to wall carnage. Why am I watching this? Uh, but totally. again, I had just come off of, you know, eight saw movies also. So, uh, not yeah. recommended, not recommended. Well, I think when I saw, cause when I saw that in the theater in 2011, to me, it was like, wow, I've been on this journey for 10 years with yeah. these movies. Like, like to, it was, it was, I found it to be very like nostalgic where I was like, oh my God, I remembered like, you know, reacting to that death or, you know, the ones that are the most sort of cringe worthy to me. <laughs> but, um, it was sort of this walk down memory lane and, uh, I was like, oh my God, this franchise just took on so much and it is quite a feat in stunts and in special effects yeah. and the inventiveness, um, of that, you know, I just thought was so incredible, but I will say having <laughs> done, and I've marathon, marathon the Saw movies before, and that is a very different, uh, thing to take on and holy smokes. Like that's, I mean, I, I'm, I, my, my tip, my hat to you, sir, because <laughs> doing both of these back to back, holy shit, like <laughs> that's insane. It was, it was rough. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was rough. And again, you know, the Saw franchise, the 3D one is the worst one for me, yeah. uh, you know, kind of terrible. And so to get to the 3D Final Destination and have them make a lot of the same mistakes uh, was a bummer. But then again, like I said, they course corrected with five, which is pretty great. Um, so, all right. Favorite um, death scene in the franchise. Oh, well, to me, the, one of the most cringeworthy ones is the, um, the gymnastics because of the, the tack Oof, on the, yes. on the, every time the foot is over it, I'm just like, Oh, Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> oh no, no. Um, of the, um, we should go movie sense? by movie, movie by movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. First one, favorite death. Um, first one, let, I think I would say, well, I think like, like Val's is so elaborate. It's like, it's too, it's like too much. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, but I think I like, I really like the, um, uh, I mean the one with Todd, I actually find to be really sad when the, by the, the shower cord is just really awful. But I think the one, um, the train tracks like decapitated by the car metal, Billy's, um, Sean, Sean, Billy Hitchcock, Billy Hitchcock. I think that one, because the way that's setting it up, it's just like, they're stuck on the train tracks. There's the, I can't get out. I can't get out. And then finally gets out. And everyone's like, you know, did it skip? Oh, you know, figuring out that it skipped him. And then you see the metal rattling and then Billy's decapitated. I'm a sucker for a decapitation. So, <laughs> That's probably my um, my favorite one, and of course, like the the bus though, like you said, is the scariest. Like that jump to when Terry gets killed. Every time I jump, like can't can't help it. And if you spend any time thinking about it, it kind of doesn't make sense. Where you're just like, why is the bus going that fast? Why does she not see it coming before she steps off the curb? Doesn't matter. It works. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It works. Um, 
And so, yeah, that that that's the one that makes me jump. But the one that I think the the on the train tracks one, like leading up to that, is is I'm like, yep, that's great. Yeah, that is <laughs> that is spectacular. Um, I think in in two, I gotta say, like that is maybe. I mean, I love the roller coaster one, but I think that is the best set piece, opening set piece to me. I think the log truck, I will give to, you know, that that threaded of like that whole sequence is so incredible. I think it's so um, fascinating. Yeah. Uh, just in terms of, fe- I was even writing down, I was like sh- shooting this question mark. I was like, it's so many pieces to it. Um that I actually loved. And in terms of the the survivors, their deaths, um, I mean, Tim getting crushed by the glass is amazing. That <laughs> <laughs> just come, like like the stuff where it comes out and swishes him and also Rory's death, um, the barbed wire decapitation. Yeah. Like that's pretty amazing. Um and so and also there was the misdirect, the misdirect um that we have from Tim where he's like at the dentist that whole there's this whole thing all these theatrics the fish like falls in his mouth survives it all only to go outside and get crushed by the class like <laughs> that one makes me laugh the hardest i feel my yes. i think my favorite one in terms of how it's staged is and i don't remember the character's name but the airbag one. Oh yes um cat cat yeah oh where that's another one where it's like they go they have this car crash they're fine she's sitting there smoking the cigarette She's like, can you be quiet when they're trying to, like, jaw- the jaws of life get yeah. her out of there? And then the airbag goes off. So good. Yeah, the timing of that is so incredible. So well done. Yeah. And literally just, like, poof. And then it's, like, through the eyeball. Um, and same thing with – this one has so many so many misdirects. Because same thing with um, uh, the, the guy who's the lottery winner. Um, oh, yeah. Who uh, – Evan's death, where it's, like, there's the, the – the, the, has apartments on fire and the metal gets in the microwave and there's something, something from the fridge falls onto his food on the stove. He gets out of the, can't get out the window. Hands stuck in the garbage disposal. Stuck in the garbage disposal. Yeah. Finally gets out, breaks the window, gets out, gets down through everything, falls, falls again. Oh, relieved. Then ladder hits him in the eyeball. (laughs) Like that. (laughs) Um, and of course two is, two is the one like at the end, you know, we losing, clear to the the two characters to an oxygen explosion like her and eugene both yeah. die yeah which i was like oh, i don't know I yeah like, not great that, that's gonna be clear's death like clear right. who's like taken us from the first movie all the way through the first all the way through the second you're gonna just kill her off with another character i, I thought that was a little bit i was like i think she deserves more than that i think Alex deserves more than that too, but for what they could clearly they couldn't <laughs> get Devin Sawa. He was busy. Off screen um, hit by a brick. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> what uh, whatever. Um you know, is what it is. Um so three so I wrote in my notes that like the for, for the big set piece in the happens in the first 20 minutes in one. Um it happens in the first 10 minutes in two. In three, it happens in the first 20 minutes. So we're sort of back to, I mean, Glenn Morgan or Glenn, uh, James Wong's back at the, at the helm for this one. Um, and I also noticed there's a lot of stuff in three that is like McKinley. I think we, li- I think 
it, we stay, I think in five, we're back in, in the town of McKinley. So it's like you and you see references to like the roller coaster. You see like a lot of references from three. I noticed in five, um, but in terms of death, obviously, everyone, we all talk about the the tanning bed um, scene. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I Though I think Frankie's death is incredible, which is the car engine to the back of the head. Oh, that is something in the in the drive through in the drive through. Yeah, I think that's just incredible. It's sort of like that. And then the weights crushing Lewis, like in the weight room, like both of those are pretty and they're back to back. So both of those are really really solid ones um and uh you know then we're dealing with uh, otherwise we're dealing with like impalings and um i do like the nail gun to the face yeah that that one's good too in the in the hardware store which again another place where there's so many things that can go wrong and um i also thought that would be an awesome Halloween costume. <laughs> just, just have people go as different deaths from Final Destination where they're still like a person, like have the like pipe through the eye and have like the hand up with the nail gun, you know. Um, but that image is so good. Yeah. Um, and I wrote down the Ian's death smashed by a McKinley sign when he, when they call him McKinley. Ironic is what I wrote. Um <laughs> And then we get into the final destination, which that opening is like eight minutes, I think, when it's all all like set. It's very quick. It's like a very fast. um, We're like, okay, we're getting you right into it. Um, But um, for my, um, I don't even know. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, right, right, right. I think. the uh the the what i wrote is um chuck palnick question mark which is hunt's death where his guts are sucked through the oh pool. yeah yeah um i was like so some when did that when did haunted come out did someone read this book right because um, <laughs> uh, that this one doesn't i don't know the ones in this one are as as exciting to me um they're they're not as cleverly done. They're not as well staged. And every single one of them, unfortunately, is marred by bad effects. That's the thing is, I think they're they're too busy thinking about servicing the three D right. and the and the VFX. That's also the one where Nick, our protagonist, is having these visions yeah. of what's happening, and he goes into this like weird fugue state for a couple seconds and <laughs> sees it, but sees these things flying at him but not a ton of context. And they're just so badly done. I was like, we don't need to see this. Like you actually don't need to show us that necessarily. Like it would still work. Um, and, and of course that's just in a, you're anticipating it. Um, and you know, B it doesn't quite pay off. And so we have like the explosion in the movie theater. We have someone getting hit by an ambulance. Um, you know, obviously that the end, it's a semi coming through a cafe window, but then it all goes into like x-ray vision. So you're yeah, not, you don't really even get to see what them. happens. Right. No. And so I was like, wait a minute. What, what are we doing? Um. <laughs> <laughs> the movie theater showing a, a 3d romantic comedy, by the way. Yes. I'm like, wait, what, <laughs> what is happening? Um, and then in five, we, we have that, the, the suspension bridge, um, scene of course dust in the wind is playing like that that sequence and that one is 
eight, it's about 18 minutes from start to finish. Oh, of, wow. Like, the whole opening sequence. So we're kind of back to the longer, sort of the longer length opening. Um, but, um, yeah, that Candace is the, the stepping on the, hers is the, the first death of the survivors and her stepping on that, like, almost stepping on the screw like someone else ends up stepping on it. But that, that whole thing it's like a gymnastics accent act in itself and when her body is just like this upside down <laughs> mangled mess <laughs> the like, bone sticking oh out gosh. of the leg is what gets me oh totally um totally and you know but this is also the first one where yeah this is the first one where a character is like like we see the idea that the character is getting the idea of like okay if i murder what if i murder this person like um, it's because I know in two, the, or excuse me, not two, um, not two, the, the final destination in four, the, the like racist goes to the guy's house and is going to burn a cross and like that, that the whole, oh my God, the, the cringy, oh my four, I just, I was cringing <laughs> so much. And then Isaac in five, I was like cringing. So I was this, this, this character, there's so many problems with this yeah, and yeah. This isn't a thing in the other movies, but it's a thing in the last two movies. But I was just like, "Why this choice?" Question mark. <laughs> it's like something I wrote. It's like, why? Why are there? Um, I said, "Cringeworthy to the max." Is what I wrote in my, That's a good descriptor. Yeah, and um, but uh, but I think, and you know, we have a we have characters like falling out windows, and Dennis gets like the wrench in the face. Um, but we we have. Um. Uh. Uh. What's his name? My- Miles Fisher. This was in like Miles Fisher was like a, a hot commodity for a minute. Who when he released those like music videos, and so I remember seeing this and being like, oh yeah, that's the guy who like did the American Psycho, um, homage to did the cover of Talking Heads. This must be the place to the backdrop of American Psycho, um, and you know he then his character deciding okay what if I, if I kill somebody, then will it, will this, will it totally skip me until who knows when? So that's like a character sort of trying to take everything and turn it on its head a little Mm -hmm. bit of like, we're going to have a character who we're going to see if they're end up being a murderer. Um, and, uh, obviously doesn't work out, but (laughs) (laughs) doesn't work out for him. Um, but, uh, and of course the, the, this one is the one where Olivia gets the ghost, get the, the eye surgery um and ends up getting like her hand lasered and but all this happens and she falls out the window like the eyeball stuff was kind of strange in this one um and i was like you know last movie horror movie i know with all this eyeball stuff is black chris black christmas and that was like years before this so i was like huh what's with the eyeball <laughs> so we, get we get it she slips on an eyeball she's getting her eyeball lasered it pops out of her head like gets squished i was like this odd yeah um but the suspension bridge i think is like really really a genius idea and and something i had like if you're ever if anyone's ever been on a traffic jam on a suspension bridge like how that feels is like very uncomfortable (laughs) i don't think i would be able to handle it i feel like every time i've driven across one i'm just counting the seconds till i'm on the other side yeah right right um totally but yeah i definitely think that the gymnastics one is probably my my favorite from that one it's pretty amazing, again, the way it's all put together and the number of... <laughs> it's not so much misdirects. I mean, it kind of is every time she doesn't step up in the screw. But mm-hmm. uh, now I just remembered how much I don't like four. 
<laughs> because <laughs> I just was thinking, because I'm thinking about all the times that electrical equipment shorts out and that happens yes. in the gymnastic sequence, but I'm thinking of the like ratty circuit breaker box that's wide open inside of a car wash in four. And I'm just yes. like, boy, they're not even trying. Not yes, I I and I like what they were trying to like. You could do so much with that, like with the um the car wash sequence. Like so much could have been done with that. Um, and yeah, I was just like, okay, like <laughs> come on. Um, and also I think four is. Let me think about this for a second. It is for the oh. Wait, yes. I'm trying to think of the one that I think four is the only one. I'm trying. I was trying to think if there's one in five, but I don't think there is. Is the only one with a a sex scene in it? It like sure a, is. Like a, it's yeah. uh, four, two and four are the only ones to like feature nudity, and right, four have... is the only one with a full on sex scene because David Ellis is a horny guy. Well, three has. I mean, three has the girls in the in the tanning bed. Oh, so, that's right. Um, but but there's but in terms of like a sex scene versus right, right. like and it, it does I was like okay this is a little like I, I understand why this is here but um but that death is so good that I was like okay maybe just justifying a little bit and it's shot in a way where um uh like there's they still have their their um, bikini bottoms on and so they like of course like see i'm so used to seeing um tits in horror movies so it's like <laughs> i can't now i can't i like i'm always the ch ch trying to champion more male nudity but um but that that to me I, I didn't that i didn't wasn't bothered as much as in the final destination i was like this sex scene we don't even need it like why is it even here like i mean uh, you what? know okay it's showing us once again that this guy is a scumbag but we've known that the entire everything he does <laughs> is like the douchiest thing a person can do so we don't need more proof that he's a douche exactly exactly so and and yeah that's that's the other thing but i i made a note i was like is this only with the sex scene yeah um but yeah, it's um, it's rough. And even at the end of four, the last line is like, "What if us being at this coffee shop was the plan all along?" And I was like, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> <laughs> oh, four is the one where I made the note. Okay, so um, in the final destination, so the characters that supposedly survive the the racetrack incident, um. Samantha, who is listed as the MILF in IMDb, but her name is Samantha, um, and her husband and their two kids survive. I made a note, husband and kids alive, yeah. question mark. Yeah, apparently. the movies have been so good about kind of tying up loose ends, like even two, um, the, uh, Isabella, the pregnant woman, she they even kind of come i made a note and i was like oh is a does it the kind of it's un it feels like she was supposed to die in the opening sequence but then they go back and you see she's still alive and they talk about like the unborn child like life for life that whole thing of um if the baby's born then then someone you know it the way that changes the whole chain reaction but then they're like oh no she was actually supposed to live all along right. so they're they were very good at kind of tying that stuff up however not so much in the final destination. I was like, wait, what happened to the husband and the kids? Cause we see the kids later on, like they come into the, the salon. So I was like, wait, the kids are alive and, but she gets the rock through the face. Um, Oof. so I was like, what? Like, 
wait a second. And it just felt so weird because they were so good at tying up all the other loose ends. And then, of course, the reveal later on is that the cowboy, um, they, they didn't take consider the him into the equate. They didn't keep him in the equation. Right. So they, it was revealed that he had survived. Um, Jonathan Graves was his name. But they oh, realized wow. that. You even survived. know the cowboy's name. I'm so impressed. I know the cowboy's name because it flashes <laughs> on the news screen. And I was like <laughs> on a news footage. And I was like, OK, Jonathan Graves. Great. Got it. Noted. Um, but they were, and that's the thing is like the final the final destination tends to have some. Uh, I, I don't know if it's like, you know, coming as a filmmaker, there's there can be so much interference. So who, sure. who the fuck knows what they dealt with? But right. it felt like there was some sloppiness there that just didn't get me. They're like, no one will know, which I'm sure a lot of people don't even pick up on it. But also, why are you calling this the final destination? Like you, you've done what final destination two, three, and then the other one's called five. Just call it four. Right. Just, just call it four. Right. <laughs> the the adding the the is um which obviously other movies are sort of doing this too um and it's not like they were remaking the movie like calling halloween h4o you, you know calling that just halloween right um like the original halloween or rob zombie's halloween we got a lot of halloweens out there but <laughs> why why that choice so i'm always curious as to why they're doing why that gets done because i'm like just just call it what it is like you don't need to like the final destination. No, no, doesn't work. <laughs> Does not work. What about final destination for the final destination? Uh, I can do. I can deal with like a colon and then a whatever. It's yeah, not sure, great. They but obviously, but they were great. trying to suggest it was the last one, you know, in some way. And then again, because yes. it didn't really work, they luckily went back and made another one. Yeah, and it's like I get, I get it, but. That, but that's the problem when you go and do five, like it doesn't work. It's just like, right. Oh yeah. You should have just stuck to it. Should have just stuck to it, but they couldn't. Um, and, uh, but you know, who knows? Like no idea. But I think that like when looking at five, um, and then the, the writer of it, which I, I was like, I know I couldn't, I couldn't place it at the moment, but I was like, I know the this writer's name. I'd look it up real quick. Cause usually I can be on top of that, but. I can only hold so much of this movie information in my brain. Um, <laughs> but I, I realized that the writer of five, because again, you're dealing with like, how do we, that, like you were saying, like, ele- how do we elevate this? How do we take this? How do we still do fan service, but do something new, add a twist, whatever it is. Um, so I was like, okay, that, that who's, whose brain is coming up with this. And I realized that Eric wrote the nightmare on elm street remake which i do not like (laughs) no i i would agree uh, with you (laughs) i do not talk about that that remake because you know what i'm sure someone out there loves that remake and that's great all the all movies need love so that's great um but also did the thing remake not a huge fan of that what Um, is going on yeah but then i noticed that eric wrote lights out bird box and arrival the like Denis Villeneuve movie, Arrival. And I was like, oh, shit. Well, okay. <laughs> now this makes sense. Holy <laughs> like shit. I, yeah, I didn't realize that because I was... What is this I resume? Just, <laughs> I know. Because he wrote crazy. Bloodshot also, which was like the last movie yeah. released pre-pandemic and is not okay. great. I'm not a fan. Yeah. So I was like, what a... Hey, 
good for you, man. Like that's awesome. Um, <laughs> but, um, and then, and then, you know, quail made sense just because like we were saying came from like the James Cameron world and, you know, directed after final destination five, he did into the storm and American renegades and was kind of in like, you know, action, big action right. world. So it totally makes, makes sense in terms of like director choices of like who can take on this, um, this franchise. Cause to me, I also think it's kind of, an intimidating franchise because of these, like just, just watching these movies. I was like, fuck, these set pieces are so insane and discussing like what's practical, what's VFX, where's the blend, where's the, like you do have to have a substantial knowledge or an incredible team behind you that Mm -hmm. has this knowledge Mm -hmm. of how to pull all this stuff off. Like how do you, you know, to really make, cause you need to make it work, especially if you're going to do this now. Cause you know, this franchise is so well known. So, um, but that it's, so to me, it totally makes like these, the choices make sense. Like they, they these, these creatives have the receipts. To be like, <laughs> yes, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> um, it looks according to Wikipedia, like part six is being written by Patrick Melton and Marcus Dunstan, who've written a ton of stuff, including all of the later Saw sequels, everything after yes. three, and the collector and the collection. Um, so that's interesting. Yeah, and I love that. I mean, I love. I'm I'm very good friends with with Marcus and um, love them. And and they were also supposed to do the Halloween, if I remember correctly, the Halloween remake way back. Uh, the um the one that David Gordon Green directed. Like I think they were originally supposed to direct that at oh, one really? time. I thought I thought I remembered seeing that in an announcement. I could be wrong. Um but also they were supposed to direct uh Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, but they ended up their writers on that. But I think I thought I remembered an announcement saying they were going to direct that. I could be wrong. If people go back and check <laughs> you know Variety or Hollywood Reporter, I could be completely wrong or deadline. <laughs> um but I vaguely remembered that. Um but uh but yeah so I you know I'm curious to see what you know, there's, there's, you know, some mechanics to those, those movies that they've written. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I had a, I had some notes about, um, the beloved, uh, Tony Todd, the iconic Tony Todd, yes. and his role in these movies, um, which we haven't talked about yet, but obviously I'm a huge fan of him and he's in, um, the first and second movie. We don't have him in, the third movie and though the though i don't know if it is his voice but it sounds like his voice is the voice of the like um the the roller coaster the there's there's like when when they're walking underneath it um you hear you know someone talk you know talking about the the ride and i wondered if i thought that was his voice but i wasn't i was like god it sounds like him but i wasn't Sure. I wasn't sure. So going into the Devil's Flight roller coaster. According um, to Wikipedia, it says it is his voice. Okay, okay, great. Um so he is so that's him in three. He's also there the subway is... conductor. Oh yes, 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 yes. Um oh yeah, the subway sequence at the end. Oh yeah, that's right, where they're like all together. Yeah. Um the survivors find themselves all, all together on the um on the the uh on the subway so it's um uh what is it wendy and her sister julie and um 
her boyfriend's Ryan. So is it, is it, I can't, what, I can't remember, I can't, I'm losing his name at the, at the moment, but, um, uh, oh, Ryan, it is Ryan. Cause Jason's her boyfriend and he, he ends up dying. So, um, uh, yeah, so it's, so it's, um, Wendy, Wendy, Kevin and Julie, Julie, her sister. So, um, they're like all together and they're like, oh shit. Um, what are we, wait a minute, we're all together. Something's wrong. And of course then they, there's the big crash and explosion right. and, um, they're not going to make it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then he's, and there's no Tony Todd at all in the final destination. Um, so it was, it was a, I, another, um, another thing with <laughs> another mark against then, it, another mark against it. And then of course he's back again in final destination five, which I thought was interesting because we see, we see him at the cemetery and, you know, they're like, you know, walking. And then of course we see that moment again later on, but I loved that, uh, where he's sort of not, not in, not in the morgue. And, um, I just, I love that he was back, but again, thinking about next time I watch these watching five first and see how that sort of like someone coming new to the final, right. the final destination franchise. I, I, I wonder if I would have them. No, no, I wouldn't because you want the twist. You want to watch, you want them to watch it in order, but, yeah. um, I need to go back. I want to go back. And now that I've seen them so many times, I was like, now I need to go back and watch them with commentary and do the really deep dive. <laughs> um, and, uh, and cause I noticed like all the, all that's a great thing about the DVDs and the Blu-rays. They have tons of bonus footage. So if you're a fan of these films, like go buy the Blu-ray, even the DVDs, um, they all have, they're so they're jam packed with behind the scenes footage and interviews and, and all that stuff. So, um, and commentaries with the actors and with the directors. And I think that's, um, a really great, those, that's always to me a great filmmaking tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I try to do, only do that with movies that I'm really familiar with. Cause I, you know, there's some movies where I just really want to watch them. <laughs> and so, but I find that to be like, as a director so helpful um and there's some directors that just do are consistently great with their commentary tracks so um but uh but i i uh recommend that i also made a note on here if i were to talk to craig about the uh the director last name i may i specifically made a note about using or <laughs> director last yes <laughs> um, we must but, retire uh, this trope <laughs> But I gotta say, I'm like really curious to see what um, what the next one's gonna be, like what they end up doing with it. And you know, we've kind of seen what like Halloween looks like, kind of reinvented, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm curious to see what what we're gonna see. I guess Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. What is that this year? Next year? I can't remember when that's coming out. But I think um, it might be this year. Is it this year? I think it oh. might be. Yeah. Um. And it's another one with like a confusing title that's it's just called like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They took the the out instead of adding a the. Oh my god! But chainsaw is one word as opposed to it being two words, right? Correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just uh, people. I don't know. I got a lot of thoughts about the title stuff, but um, <laughs> I'm I'm excited for that because I love Chris Devlin who who wrote it. So I'm I'm hoping it's um I'm hoping it's great. And Fetty Alvarez, I'm I loved the. Or excuse, I loved Evil Dead, the re- no, remake of no, the, the Evil, Evil Dead. Dead. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> I was a big fan of that movie, so um, I'm excited to see what uh, Fetty and 
Chris Devlin and the, the directors of Texas Chainsaw Massacre come up with. <laughs> <laughs> and they're rebooting Saw, as we already kind of talked about. So everything is right. getting uh, everything's getting a reboot. Yeah, it's um, you know, and I just uh, I, I, I I'm so mixed. I like love. See, there's some remakes I love, 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 and then. You know, there's some I struggle with <laughs> and I'm just, um, you know, and I get it. You're trying to, it's, there's, you got to, we got to think about that. There's a whole, now there's a whole generation that hasn't seen these movies. Right, so right. it's, it's really crazy. And I just hope that people find like, yeah, go see the new one, go support it. Absolutely. That's really important, but also go seek out the original and, or, or, or uh, other versions of it, I should say, because yeah. now there's so many. But um, I hope people still seek them out. And I think that I hope that they will. I think that they're well. Um, if anything, their parents will tell them <laughs> to, to see them, hopefully. But um, and, it, and, you know, it just sort of shows us which ones really, as we see over time, the like what, what still stands the test of time. Right. So, you know, I think sort of what like people still talk about evil dead the fetty alvarez remake like people are still talking about that one of course they're always going to talk about the evil dead but i think it's always fascinating to see which ones people really gravitate towards obviously we don't hear people talking about the nightmare on elm street remake very often but i hear people talk about the house of wax remake all the time so you know which i too am a fan of but um it's always uh that whole thing's always fascinating to me um you can always it's all about tell making money <laughs> well right and you can always tell which ones have sort of captured the imagination of audiences because you'll bring up a title and somebody might say which one whereas like you know right. so if you say like oh i love house of wax oh which one i love uh i love the blob which one mm -hmm. whereas oh, if yeah, you say like i love yeah. the fog no one ever says which one because we forget 100%. that the fog was remade <laughs> A hundred percent. And I, and I think it's something, I don't know. I have to go back and like really check this, but like the people who are remaking these movies, I think you can kind of tell whose heart is really invested in it. Mm -hmm. And now granted the studios, again, talking about like can, can really fuck a movie over and destroy it. So it's like someone's heart may have been like a hundred percent in it versus um, a studio fucking with it and destroying it. But um, someone who's really in it, or someone who's like, it's a paycheck for them. Like, I want this job. I want to make, you know, the millions and millions of dollars I'm going to make off this remake. Who's just kind of there to 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 do it. And the fan service maybe not be the, might not be there as much. Mm -hmm. I think that can kind of show through. Um, but I also love the idea of like an outside the box choice. I mean, I know people were talking about that with David Gordon Green with Halloween. However, I remember like way back when I was working in comedy David Gordon Green's script for Suspiria coming across my desk. So like, I was like, ah, it's not out of the ordinary for him to want to make a horror movie. He wanted right. to make the Suspiria remakes, right. but not everybody knows that. So, um, and that he loves the, you can feel that he loves these movies, that he loves Halloween. Like you feel that love there. And also when you have someone like Ryan Turek, who's like a huge lover of all, all things horror and is so educated in that genre to also make sure to help see it through. So you also have someone on like, the produ production side that's championing it uh, along with the creative side, um, which I think is really important for those things to meld for it to work. So I hope that that happens with Final Destination. But I wanted to ask you, what when did you see Final Destination, like the OG, like Final Destination, the 2000 Final Destination? When did you see that in the theaters? And I like, did. what was your 
initial impression? Like, what is your relation? Like, you know my relationship to this franchise, but I'd love to know your relationship to it. I really, like, didn't have a huge relationship to it. I saw the original. I remember liking it and feeling like it was kind of an extended X-Files episode, which is exactly what it was originally designed to be. Um, And that's kind of what it felt like. Not in a bad way. I don't mean that as a pejorative. Um, I didn't see two in the theater. I saw three. I skipped four. And then I saw five. So I kind of have a weird relationship to the movies where I, I had kind of a take it or leave it approach, even though I like four of the five of them. Um, yeah. It's uh it wasn't, it wasn't totally like my franchise in the two thousands, you know, but I kind of was like that with saw also. And I have come around on those movies and I like those movies, but I didn't even go see all of those. There was a point mm-hmm. where I was just like, no, I don't think I could do it. And I skipped like, three through five theatrically. So some of these yeah. I've only ever seen on at home on DVD, you know? I think there's something about Final Destination that, I mean, granted, they are, are rated, they're rated R, but there's something about them that feels, and maybe because I did see them in high school, that feels a little gateway horror to me in the sense that, like, yes, there's a lot of violence, but because there isn't, the I mean depending on what you want to show your kids like if you're more sensitive to violence or like what you're censoring your kids to um but I think that in terms of the how clever it is the first movie Mm -hmm. I do think it's something that like I would show my like kid when they even when they're in middle school like I'd show them this movie as like hey here's an awesome because it feels like it because they're in uh high school yeah you're going on a class trip yeah they're in high school in that movie yeah so it's like, oh, here's high school kids going on this trip. It feels like it could be gateway horror, you know, along. I mean, Nightmare on Elm Street is rated R, too. So it's like, like, it seems like it's kind of lives in that world of like, there's an accessibility to it to get people into the genre and by showing them something really smart and really fun. Um, and yes, it is dark. But <laughs> well, and there's an the aspect that'll come afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> there's an aspect. We're all going to die. Uh, there's an aspect to it, you know, especially as we get into some of the sequels that feels like stories you would tell at sleepovers. Like, did you guys hear yes. the story about the, the, the gymnast who died, you know, and then you tell that whole story or whatever. It just, um, so it, I totally agree with you. It does seem kind of like gateway horror in a, in kind of a fun way, Gosh. even though again, the ultimate moral or lesson is very dark and, very real world, you know, uh, it is a franchise that has you confronting your own mortality, but there's something fun about the way that they go about doing it as opposed to something like saw, which is very dark and very grim and very unpleasant. And I say this as somebody who likes those movies, but like these movies are fun in a way that, you know, something like the saw franchise is not. A hundred percent. And I love what you brought up about it being like sort of urban legend campfire tale territory, which is something I hadn't thought about, but now I fucking love and I'm going to use that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally going to reference that because you're absolutely right. And that's something that I hadn't thought about, but especially when we were talking about like in the final destination with the pool, like that was, that's a story in the, the, Chuck Palnick book, I think it's haunted that it's, it's in. And haunted, so that yeah. also feels like, yeah, something where it's like, oh, yeah, do you know about the kid who like got too close to the bottom of the pool? Like, this is. <laughs> he was a douche going after his lucky coin. 
yeah, he's a total asshole. This is what happens to assholes. Like you get your guts get sucked out through your asshole in a swimming pool. Um, but I think I love framing it that way. And I think that's, that's, um, really a really great way to, to talk about it, like in a kind of another context. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, um, and I, I get like really, <laughs> yeah. And also you bring up something that made me think about, um, uh, uh, what was his character's name? Keir Smith's character, uh, Carter. Of course I should remember Carter. Carter. <laughs> um, him saying reference. like oh yeah yes totally and him saying so many like i'm never gonna die i control my and i was like oh bro like <laughs> <laughs> like just that but also thinking about these are teenagers like that's you don't even or not i mean who with who knows these days we're all thinking about everything but as a teenager you know you're 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 like i'm young you're like hopefully it's not plaguing your brain you know weighing right, you down but right. Um, mental health is differently is different for everyone and young people it's really tough but um it's uh that that time in your life is really difficult but um that's something where you're just like going through the motions and not really thinking about that stuff yet hopefully um and so his uh his attitude towards it is so and everyone just kind of looks at each other like this guy there's always every movie has one of these dudes like like i and i was just thinking about what is it in um Frankie Cheeks in three is like, oh, I just the eye roll. There's always one super t- toxic masculinity dude <laughs> in these movies. They got they you always got to represent. They always got to represent something in these. Movies. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, and I I, lo- I love Keir Smith. So um, him, him being this like crazy like hothead is so just ridiculous. All right, let's have some fun in my in my sports car. And I'm gonna. <laughs> pedal to the metal and we're going to blow through all these lights and like live in like YOLO. Um, <laughs> are they in, they're in high school in three also, right? It's like one and yes. three are the only ones where they're actually high school students. Yeah. One in one in three, they're like kids, quote unquote. Like, yeah. yeah one, they're in high school. They're going on their, you know, field trip, class field trip to Paris. And then they're graduating in three there. It's their graduation trip um, in that one as well. Yeah. And, and then they're, they're adults quote unquote in two and they're they're adults in the final destination and five five they're like working at this sales that that one there's a factory and there's a sales company and, and... nick Augusto has two jobs he's a chef and but yes. also working for the paper company yeah he does both he's he can't quite decide um he went he to college a... with my wife and was like her dance oh. partner and she's always excited when he pops up and stuff no way. Yeah. I thought he was great in this movie. I yeah, really, he's really good. I really like this. You got David Koechner, Courtney B. Vance, who we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, is, right. Is they they Asian uh, block. They they I can't think of the word, but uh they upgraded in the casting department. Yeah, like I was really um I had forgotten he was in this and I was like really excited to see him. And he like he's like listening to them and like kind of believes them is like tell me about this and then comes kind of to the rescue at the end so deserves better um, than being murdered by fake tom cruise but yeah he is he so is <laughs> i'm sure that's just that just plagues miles fisher's life but um <laughs> but i love tom cruise so what can i say um <laughs> i'm a sucker for a fucking tom cruise movie i'll tell you what me too um oh i can't wait for maverick oh my god and the new mission impossible <laughs> I'm definitely more excited about the new Mission Impossible than I am Maverick because I'm not a huge Top Gun fan. 
Oh, be still my heart. I'm so sorry to you. Okay. It's, <laughs> I um I uh it's playing it. in yeah. like Dolby near me this weekend. I'm thinking about taking my son. He's never seen it. Oh, you got to Oh, do it. Yeah. Got to do it. Um yeah, but the Mission Impossible movies is another that's an action franchise that I fucking love. Yeah, those love, movies love, love. rule. Especially the last couple ones like have been really solid. Like yeah. I I think They've just really that that franchise is in has been in in good hands. Like I'm just such a sucker for those. Um, and uh, and that's the thing is I think like the stuff some of the stuff I love the most, even though Final Destination does deal with like a lot of dark subject matter, I find them to be so entertaining. And they all of them are 95 minutes or less. Yeah. Um, they you know and they don't feel beholden to a runtime. It doesn't feel like they're trying to stretch to a runtime, but they're also not like it's not too bloated and masturbatory. Like they're literally, it's like, here it is. We're giving it to you. This is it. Go for this ride. And, um, I'm here for, I'm here for it all. Even, even the final destination, which isn't the, uh, is the last on my list. <laughs> but, um, uh, I think the, the other four are so, so solid and every franchise has got one little stinker in there. So, you know, <laughs> Yeah, it is sort of the the bastard stepchild <laughs> of the Final Destination franchise. Totally, but I, you know, we'll see what happens with it, and maybe, uh, maybe one day I'll get to get my hands on one. <laughs> you better. So let me ask you. I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but I have to ask you because we had that long conversation about remakes. What is yeah. the movie that, if you were allowed to remake anything you wanted to remake, what would you go for? In, whether in, whether it's in, been remade or not, any genre, any genre. Sure, doesn't have to be so, one. So, yeah, I think um, the movie I I like. If anyone out there fucking tries to do this, I will come for you. All right, um, this is on I'm, record. I'm, yeah, it's on record. I'm trying to, uh, you know, it's it's so hard. It's just it's impo- it's sometimes impossible to just like penetrate through to be able to do some of the stuff that you're like super passionate about. Um, and uh, that that has rights that are beholden to someone else, like rights that are controlled by a studio sure. or something. Like it's it's hard to do that, but it's something that I a movie that I love, that I would love to remake because I want to see what it looks like under a two thousand you know twenty twenty one twenty twenty two lens is um, uh, a movie called um, that you will probably know this movie, but not everybody knows this movie. Um, it's based on a book. It's called Looking for Mr. Goodbar. Oh, yes. Yeah, that movie's impossible to see now. Yeah, I actually have. It's So it's from um, it's from 1977, directed by Richard Brooks. It's based on a book by um, uh, Judith Rosner. And it's Diane Keaton is in it. She won the Oscar for her performance. Also, um, Richard Gere is in it and Tuesday Weld, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, it's really hard to find. Um, I have a copy on DVD that's a VHS rip so it's 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 not like it's a right. dvd like a not a real dvd but um because you can't get it anywhere because of i'm assuming because of the music rights it's all disco music it's all this fantastic disco music i have you can get the album on vinyl which i've which i own on um, the music and it is incredible but that is what's i think preventing it from getting a real proper um restoration blu-ray like shout factory style release um but that's something that i is near and dear to me i look up i try to get figure out the rights constantly of like if they're with paramount where are the are the it's is it with the book rights in perpetuity like 
I'm trying to figure that out. Um, so that's something that comes to mind. Also, um, the, there is a mini series that I would like, I'd love to remake called uh, Desperation based on the Stephen King book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, Ron Perlman, um, am I thinking of the right one? It's Mick Garris did it yeah. um, back in like two, I think it was the two thousand early 2000s. And I love it, but I'd love to see like really diving into that and like, what is that show? I think it was on ABC and what did, what would that look like on HBO or what would that look like on something where you're kind of not beholden to network restrictions? Right. Um, that's, that's something else that I, I, I think about. <laughs> that's another one that I want to tackle. So, or would love to tackle, but who knows? It's like really tricky, but those are ones that come to mind yeah. immediately when asked that question. I'm sure okay. there's stuff in, in the horror world, but it's a little trickier. I did have a, I did pitch on, um, I, on a uh, remake of, I was a teenage werewolf. Interesting. That I would love to, that's something else that I was like, Oh, that's something I'd be into into tackling, um, into taking on that. And I would do a very different version, um, than what's on there. But anyways, those are ones that like, when you ask that question that immediately come to mind, Okay. but yeah, so that's, those are ones I sort of, uh, think about horror is really tricky though, because I think you're, you're, you're not set up to fail, but you're set up to some of the, the a lot of the fans can be, as, as we were talking about earlier on with social media, it can be really, I mean, this is why I'm only on like Instagram, but can be really <laughs> rabid with that stuff. It's yes. like, you can't, you're never going to please everybody. Right. And people take this stuff so seriously and it's so near and dear to them that they won't even like entertain the idea of someone remaking it or, you know, take, taking something that's so special to them, mm -hmm. which I get, I totally understand. I will say I was someone, I rolled my eyes at the Poltergeist remake. Cause I'm like, we don't fucking need it. We have three Poltergeist movies. We don't need this remake. And of course, no one, that's what you were saying when asked about the fog. Right. I think that's the same thing with Poltergeist. No one ever says which one. So it's like, there are some things like that where I was like, you don't need to, to, to do this. Um, I get why you want to, but, or do it like, do something as a mini series, like do something as a, or a limited series. Don't necessarily do it as a, like what, like what they do with The Exorcist. Like they took it and did it as a show. Right. Cool. Right. Do something different like that. But I think you're you're in a, you're not going to make everybody happy. And I mean, there's been remakes I've seen that I don't, that I wasn't into. But again, someone will like it. It will speak to someone, and you know that will could help them through a tough time or whatever it is. Like you just never know. So you can't necessarily just go shitting on everything when it's like some people like will love this movie. So that's why it's positive vibes only. <laughs> for me. <laughs> my, my, my only issue with like the, the whole remake question, you know, it's always like, well, because there's a whole generation of young people who aren't aware of the original. And so maybe, remaking poltergeist brings awareness to the toby hooper movie yes. and maybe it gets somebody to seek it out but what if instead it just is like that's their poltergeist and they never go back and see the original because now they've claimed this one as their own yep and that uh, that notion bums me out yep totally i agree i that's something where it's like i i would want to see all that and you know what this is unpopular opinion but i there's times when i seek out toby hooper's texas chainsaw massacre 
And there's times when I seek out that remake from 2003 with Jessica Biel because sure. I'm just, again, we're talking 2000s horror. I'm nostalgic for that shit. <laughs> I will go and seek it out. The o Toby Hoopers is the supreme film. Like we, we all know this, that that's, but also that movie is like, for me, that movie is incredibly em emotionally exhausting and really like, like Marilyn, like the, she's so incredible in that role. And like Sal, that the character of Sally Hardesty is really, especially as a woman is like, whoo, it's a, it's a lot to watch and take in. And I'm stoked she survives at the end. So happy, but I have to be in the right headspace for that movie. Um, whereas like I can put on Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 and I feel like it's, 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 it's tapping into a lot of the things that the original did so well with you feel how hot and sweaty that movie is. Right. It's disgusting. It's so grimy and gross and it's not covered in glitter. Like some of those remakes are. So it's like, <laughs> that's one that I'm like, Oh yeah, totally into this. But I love the original. I make a point to seek out, or if I hear something's getting remade, like there was something recently I heard was getting remade. I can't remember what it was where I was like, Oh shit. I haven't seen the I haven't seen the original of that. Right. I need to seek that out. Right. And so I made a point to see that before seeing the remake or it's like, oh, I want to write read the book before I see the movie or something like that. Um, I can't remember what it was, but it was something recent where I was like, oh, fuck, I need to go see that the original. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's like and I think if you want to be an, and also be an educated viewer. Like, I think that's important, too. Like, I, I like to seek out stuff and watch stuff I haven't seen. Like, I love discovering new stuff. Like, that's some that's why, like, stuff like Shudder is so great. And Amazon Prime has a ton of stuff. And um, Canopy and all these streaming services where we have access to so much. Um, but, yeah, it's like I hope, like you're saying, they they do seek out yeah and of course they're going to claim it as there we're going to have people do that with scream people are going to the new right, Scream that right. comes out next year we're going to see that firsthand which of course they're just calling scream on the topic exactly. of bad titles <laughs> can't call it scream five yeah oh and we're going to see that with hellraiser with the with david bruckner's hellraiser which i'm right. honestly like excited for like i love the i like the ritual i can't wait to see the night house like i'm i'm really excited to see what he does with hellraiser so um and he's also a friend, so I'm rooting for him. But <laughs> that's another example of like um, what uh, the, the the fans. It's it's. But you just gotta know that not every people are gonna come after you, and some people are gonna love it. And you just have to kind of. All I'll say is, don't read the comments. Yes, good advice. <laughs> don't read reviews. Don't read the comments. Watch it and may, form your own opinion about it. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Um, we kind of got off of Final Destination, but is there anything else about Final Destination you want to say? Um, well, I just think that I hope that it gets sort of the um, I mean, people I know people love, you know, there are people that love this franchise or love a specific one. Like I had a lot of people on social media asking me my ranking of them. People were curious what I thought, because it's just one no one talks about. Like we just right. haven't. And I and I think that maybe eventually when the new when the next one comes out, whenever that may be. I'm curious to see if there's sort of a revisiting or maybe re-examining of, of the movies or people will seek them out again. Also, the other bummer is they're not streaming anywhere, which is a huge, I mean, I think you can rent them like on Amazon and stuff, but right. they're not streaming free on prime or, or Netflix or anything. So I owned them all, which I'm, you know, very glad I, I do, but unfortunately they're not in a place where they're really accessible to people, which is a bummer. Um, but I just think this is something like for me, these were the like gateway horror movies. These were the movies that like 
I love seeing in a theater um, and that make me make my heart happy and <laughs> have inspired me to be a filmmaker. Like, you know, when I saw the first one in high school, I was like, oh, my God, like horror movies can be like this. This is so cool. Um, and there, and I think there's a lot of really smart things in these movies that um, I don't think people really maybe thought about originally. So um, but love them. I stand by them <laughs> as my favorite franchise. And um, so I hope people continue to sort of discover them or revisit them or, you know, seek, seek them out. We'll, we'll see what happens when the new one comes out. I'm very curious. And we should do uh, a conversation about it when it comes out. I am into it. I love that idea. <laughs> it says 2022 right now. So we'll see if they oh, stay on right. track. Yeah. Who knows if they'll stay on track for that, that release date. <laughs> but... I haven't even heard about it, like shooting or casting. Maybe right. it's like pre pandemic 2022. I don't know if there's a director yet. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I know I should ask. I'd be like Craig Perry. What's going on with this? <laughs> yeah. Hello. <laughs> um. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But um, I'm so glad you were down to talk about this movie and um, for coming at it with an open mind and revisiting it while you were revisiting Saw, which is insane to me. <laughs> it, was, I'm, it was a mistake. I can't wrap my brain around it. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Well, I definitely want to know what you think of Spiral after you see it. Yeah, for it, sure. After it's Saturday, I'm seeing it Saturday, I'll email you with my thoughts. Okay, yeah, I think I'm seeing it tomorrow, so I'll, I'll wait okay. for your email and we can talk about it. But thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, you mentioned you are only on Instagram, but what is your Instagram handle so everybody can follow you? It is just Chelsea Stardust. Easy enough. Easy enough, yeah. You should totally. add a the so to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or 3D. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, uh, I should. I know. That's, that would have been great. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you again for making time for this because, again, I know you're a very, very busy person, but it was super fun just kind of nerding out about these movies with you. Um, absolutely. Anything for you, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me. And I loved talking about this. So to have a platform to talk about this movie makes me so, so happy because I rarely get, you know, asked about franchises and stuff. So, or really get to talk about them on a, on a podcast. So thank you so much. Yay. Thanks again. Bye, of everybody. course. Bye. Thanks for listening to FS Movie.